0: From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby.
1: Oh, yes, we are back, fine humans, and it's great to have you here on the Badass Counseling Show. I am Sven Erlinson, your host. And I am joined in studio by KC over in the booth and Rob the Rocket. What's the good word today, Rob? Sven, you look tanned, rested, and ready. We've been on a little recording hiatus, but there was no pause in providing two episodes a week as always. So we're just, we're on it. We are on Uh, it, and it's good to be on it. And I want to reach out as a quick hello to our friends in County Cork, all the way over to Galloway, from Glastonbury to Tottenham, Edmonton to Quebec City and Schenectady to Sebastopol. Now, there are two Sebastopols, Rob. Of course there are. Yes, there's the one in the old Ukraine, and there's the one on the, uh, I want to say the Sebastopol line out of the Bay Area. What is the name of that line out of the Bay Area for the BART? I always get that one lost in my little brain. Anyway, we are here, and it's great to have you here with us. We've got a really kind of a... (laughs) interesting little show today we're doing a group session today we've got two people and as I was uh washing uh under my armpits and shaving myself this morning I was thinking about our guests this morning and I was reminded of that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer has found in a dumpster he found this set from the old Merv Griffin show I don't know if you've seen that episode, Rob. Don't recall it, but I know what you mean. <laughs> and it's the one where George has saved a squirrel and he's angry about it. And so uh, Kramer has him onto the show with the squirrel. But then he also has on the show that old guy that used to be on uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson uh, from the zoo, San Diego Zoo. And he brings on a hawk and he's showing the hawk. And then George comes in with the squirrel and he says, don't bring a squirrel here. Hawks eat squirrels, you idiot. Anyway, uh, you know, just this odd mix of people. We've got an odd mix of really lovely people today, but it is an odd mix. And sometimes that can be just perfect. Um, So let's dive in. Rob, what can you tell me about Phil and Christy? All right. I will be happy to read what they told us. First, uh, Phil wrote to us and said... I cheated on my wife of 14 years. I've spent 22 years in prison and I lost most of my family in the past two years, including my oldest brother and my parents. I need help. That's uh, short and right to the point there. Uh, Christie also wrote to us recently and said, I'm fresh out of a very abusive marriage with two young children. We were together for 10 years. Drugs really brought out his narcissistic behaviors, which I was blind to, but now I'm free. Filing for divorce, and I need to be strong for myself and my children. I'm so close, but I just need a personal trainer on my side. Phil, Christy, it's great to have you on the show. Hi. Good to be here, Sven. Thank you. I'm going to get our listeners' top two questions out of the way right away. Uh, Christy, when you say very abusive marriage, what does that mean?
2: Um, Well, it wasn't always like that. It was um, three years of him doing drugs brought out. A lot of aggression with him and it started out with the pushing and the shoving and escalated to being thrown on the ground he kicked me i had a footprint on my leg for weeks choked me put me in a chokehold, almost broke my leg all of the above he threatened to kill me several times and the last time he did uh, he threatened to kill me if i took the children and so i took the children and i wow. left Wow that was an
1: act of guts um and yeah. Phil gotta ask 22 years in prison. may I ask what that was for and if you'd rather not that's okay too
3: no no it's mostly mostly um fights you know um,
1: 22 years for fighting
3: oh uh, yeah like you know not not consecutive 22 years but ah. uh you know seven here, you know five here, three there through the past I don't know 35 years
1: fair enough. Fair enough. Appreciate it. All right. We got that out of the way. Um, you both basically state that you need help. Phil, you, you flat out state, you know, lost most of my family two years, um, in the last two years. Um, and then Christy, and you say, I need help. And Chris, you said, you know, I'm, I'm on the, I'm doing this divorce. I need to be strong. I need a personal trainer on my side, so to speak. Um, let me ask you, Phil, first, what's the biggest thing you need help with
3: I mean, I think I should have been doing counseling probably 30 years ago, honestly, fair, man. Fair. Been in and out of prison my whole life. And it's you know, it's crazy I cheated on my wife.
1: Um What do you most need her. help with? I guess is what I'm wondering. What's the biggest point of struggle uh, in your life?
3: Right now, probably like my marriage. Specifically what? Um, just to get through this, you know. Um, that I cheated on her, and I mean it's it's hard. It's it's tough dealing with this right now. It's crazy. How long
1: ago did you cheat? Uh it's a couple months ago. Wow. So it's fresh. You know? And how long have you guys been together? 14 years? 14 years, yeah. Mm, okay. And then I'm going to flip it over to you, Christy. Uh, you state, I need just need a personal trainer on my side. For what, above all else? If you were to put it in one sentence or less, what do you most need a personal trainer for?
2: I need to get to a point where I can learn to forgive him because whether we divorce or not, I need to be able to, he needs, he's going to be in my life because of the children Mm -hmm. and for them to have a stable life with me and him separated. I need to be able to forgive him and actually be able to be in the same room with him.
1: All right. Uh, Those are two different things. Uh, Forgive him and being in the same room with him. And you said forgive multiple times. And so we're going to dive right at that. Um, I'm of the belief that you don't need to be able to forgive him. Really, forgiveness isn't the point. You can forgive him, Christy, and I'm not trying to talk you out of it. But what so often happens, as you may or may not have heard me say on different podcasts or in my book or whatever, is that very often we go to forgiveness, but the actual pain that we're trying to forgive them for is still there. So, you know, the religion will sell it, and and I'm pro-religion, I'm pro-hey, whatever helps people. That's not the point. The point is we so often rush to forgiveness, or people say, oh, you got to forgive for yourself, don't forgive for them, or you got to forgive, you got to forgive, but... If you're not actually flushing out the anger, the rage, the sadness, the disappointment, the betrayal, the fuck you. If you're not flushing that shit out, then you're then by saying I forgive you, you're just packing that shit down deeper. And it's always going to be there, insidious. And you're going to be bitchy and pissy and angry and always upset or whatever. So the real question is really – are you going to get the pain out of you? So let me ask you this. What have you done or are you doing or would you consider doing in terms of getting out the pain, the anger, the frustration, the bitterness, the rage, the sadness, the sense of loss, uh, the grieving? What have you been doing or, or would you consider doing in order to uh, accomplish that, getting that out?
2: I actually started therapy um, and I went to church for the first time in 20 years. Hey, um, Not much of a church goer, but I mean, whoever's sending the message, I'll take it. So I've been trying to do that a lot of self-help, researching, learning about, I didn't know what narcissism was. Mm-hmm. Um, now I do and I'm just loading up with information so I know how to combat, not combat him, that's not the right word, but how to handle him better. Um, learning how to deal with a narcissist in family court. Um, just just trying to get myself to a place and I'm going to the gym like four or five times a week now trying to release some of that anger. So anger
1: and feeling anger. Tell me, list for me, the five top feelings you feel with regard to your soon to be ex anger is one, obviously.
2: Yeah. And I hate to say the word disappointed, but yeah, I mean, why do you hate to say
1: disappointed?
2: I just hate that word. Why do you hate the
1: word disappointed?
2: I don't know, I guess it comes from just being a kid and hearing your mom say you're disappointed in you or something. But, okay, um,
1: ah, interesting. But I you just, are, dis- are you disappointed in him or are you disappointed yeah. with sort of how it ended up?
2: I'm disappointed that he let, that we got to that point in the first place, but then that also brings back shame on my side. Because, because
1: you feel like you did something to cause this?
2: I feel like I could have done more to prevent it.
1: What above all else do you believe you could have done to prevent it?
2: I don't know. I feel like I tried everything I could have done to get him to stop doing the drugs. Well, then what do you
1: think you could have done to prevent it?
2: I don't know. Maybe told somebody sooner, you know, because I I carried that weight for like three years and I finally had enough and I finally just told his parents. And what do you
1: think the reason is you carried the weight uh, rather than sort of telling someone sooner and cutting it off sooner? What do you think the reason is?
2: It it was like, you know, the typical cliche of, you know, oh, he doesn't mean it. It's the drugs talking. And why did
1: you want to believe those things?
2: Because I wanted our family to stay together. I've been divorced before. I have two sets of kids from my other marriage, and I just didn't want this to happen to them. And so I did everything I could to keep us a happy family. And then it got to a point where I started seeing that demon, you know, like I knew I wasn't dealing with him anymore. And I tried to get an exit plan. But I was a stay-at-home mom, you know, so leaving just didn't seem like an option. And I did try to go back to work, and he threatened to divorce
1: me. What eventually pushed you over the edge of finally fucking taking action, facing it for what it was? What was was the straw that broke the camel's back?
2: It was he choked me, and I left, and then I came back. Mm -hmm. And he promised he'd quit smoking and that he'd go to rehab and blah, 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 blah. And I came back and of course he didn't go to rehab and we tried to do it together and he was supposedly sober and he was still hitting me, pouring whiskey on me, doing, you know, nine kinds of things. And then he threatened to kill me and I was just, and he was sober. And at that point I realized he's not going to change whether he's sober or not. He's still going to be scary. He scared me.
1: And let me ask you this Uh, before I flip it over to Phil, let me ask you this. Um, All those three years before you finally sort of pulled the trigger What was the primary fear inside of you that was causing you to want to make it work, that was causing you to, you know, just do it for the family or suck it up or sort of maybe, maybe deny some of the truth of what was really or minimize it or it's not that bad or we can make it work. What was, if there was a fear operating there, what was the fear, Christy?
2: I didn't want to lose him. Um. Because
1: if I lost him, then what?
2: You know, we always said that he, he, I always say he's loving my life, my moon and my stars. But if you and, and lost like, him,
1: then what would happen inside of you or what would happen in your life if you lost the moon and your stars?
2: I don't know because I'm feeling okay right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, but what was the fear then? If I lost my moon and my stars, this grand love, if I lost that, what would happen inside of you? What would you think? What would you feel?
2: Just sad. But I was sad anyway.
1: But wait a minute. I know, I know. But you've been divorced before. Why was it you feared it so much this time?
2: Because this time I actually wasn't still in love with him. You know, I still loved him. And I was hoping that he would come back. You know, the person that I married would come back.
1: Right, right, right. But the fear was that if he didn't come back, what? Then I'll be alone again? Or is it... See yeah. what voices rise up inside of you? See I'm unwantable, see I'm no good, see I'm a fucking disappointment, like mom always said, yeah. or what? What was it?
2: Well, that's what he always said, that I was old and worn out. Oh gee. Oh those messages that you know, he made the money, I did it, I I work motherfucker kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it just threw me down so far under his thumb that I really felt like that's where I was. So
1: if it ended, then that would be here I am alone, G I am worthless, G I am no good. Confirmation of all the bullshit he had said, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: and I was and in my mind cuz you know, I just turned 40 and you know, he him telling me that I'm old and worn out, you know, just it, brutal. it I believed it. And at the same time, I kept telling myself that, you know, I'm a strong person. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how I got that far down.
1: Just as an aside here, Christy, I've counseled a lot of people over 30 years and a lot of women over the age of 50, over the age of 60, over the age of 70. And it's really interesting, just for fun, one of the questions I'll sometimes ask, I ask this of men too, but um, I'll ask, you know, if you could go back to any age, what age would you go back to? When I ask these women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, you would be shocked how many say, take me back to 41. 41. Take me yeah. back to 42. Yeah. Let me have thirty-nine, forty again. Because for a lot of women, and I'm not saying that's everybody or necessarily even a majority, but a hell of a lot. So you take me back. I was at the height of my powers. I was, you know, at my most beautiful inside and out, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I was worn down, but I was finally coming alive or whatever. So, uh, the age thing, I, I know that infects all of our brains as we age. It really does. I'm coming up on my 56th birthday. I get it. But on the other hand, it's just like, maybe you're finally coming into yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I feel like that now. And now that I'm able to be by myself, Mm -hmm. I haven't been alone. This is the first time I've ever been alone. And I've been pretty much married for 20 years. How does it feel? Um, I like it. Yeah. I like being alone. I like being able to go and do what I want to do, read my book, go to the gym and, you know, <laughs> actually talk to my friends on the phone without getting in trouble. And
1: Absolutely. And you're going to, and you're going to become more and more comfortable being alone. And you're going to become more and more comfortable with yourself as you, I, your goal has to be, Christy has to be to name daily your feelings and to flush those out, pen and paper, journaling, writing letters to your ex that you do not send, writing letters to the people involved with this who maybe disappointed you or who were really there for you or who you know you're angry at, but to him a million times, writing letters to your kids, writing letters to yourself of three years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it might be, but it flushing out you have to be identifying, naming the beast, naming those feelings inside because that's the shit that's eating you up and the self-flagellation and flushing it out. And that means that also includes especially, and we'll get more into this hopefully here, is going back to the origins of a lot of these messages, including you're such a disappointment. The mom and dad messages are the most powerful because every message since then is only confirming or denying those original messages. So Phil, I wanna bring it back to you. Um yeah. so you cheated a few months ago. Okay. For a lot of people, they hear that and it's like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. All right. So uh there's that. And truth is I've cheated, so I'm on the fucking asshole list. So let me ask you, Phil, what really you say you want help with your marriage, and you know, you cheated a couple of months ago, and you've been married 14 years. Just out of curiosity, how did she find out about the cheating?
3: Um, I was on the phone with the girl talking to her, and she was Outside listening.
1: Okay, fair enough. And caught you red handed. Yeah. And uh, if you were to be totally honest with me here, Phil, totally honest, what percent of the entire cheating story have you shared with her?
3: I'd say, yeah, it just kind of came out in pieces. I told about 60 and then another 20.
1: And then the other day, I just pretty much told her everything, you know? And yet you said, pretty much told her everything, which implies there may still be about 1% that you haven't told her. Is that be safe to say, Phil? Um,
3: yeah, I mean, if there is, I'm not sure okay. what part of it I didn't tell her, that's for sure.
1: All right, well, let me ask you, just out of curiosity, yeah. what's the one thing you still haven't told her? What's the one most damning piece of the entire thing that you haven't told her?
3: I'm not sure. I mean, I've told her literally everything. She even went through the phone records and and found out that I had been talking to this girl for like a year. She a year. Just found that out. Yeah. All right. She just and found what was out.
1: the hardest piece of information to tell your wife about the entire thing? Sheesh. I think the uh, the whole sex part of it. Hmm. Was that the hardest for you to tell, or the hardest for her to hear?
3: Uh, I think it was the hardest for her to hear.
1: Uh, of course. It was um, pretty tough. Too. And so, what's she saying to you right now?
3: Um, She just gets triggered like, um, you
1: know, memories
3: of us or, you know, something will come on the TV or something is said and it just triggers her into this. I can't, you know, I can't even think about us because, you know, this and that. And I'm like, oh, God, it like happens every day.
1: It's going to happen every day. You can count on it for at least the next five years. Yeah, (laughs) at least. (laughs) You need to assume yep. that this thing is not getting put to bed soon. and and the reason right. the reason is because you know that not just that you cheated per se, but the the trust in you and the belief in your words, right. boom, it's all shattered. Um, let me ask you this question. the the cheating had nothing to do with your wife. it was in no way her fault whatsoever. That was you. And so right. let me ask you, um, why did you do it? Honestly, she's asked
3: me that, too. I don't know. I guess I was just, it was like a friendship for a while at first, Mm -hmm. and then it just became more.
1: Yeah. But what need was being met? I think companionship, I guess. And do you feel you do not have companionship with your wife?
3: Well, the thing is, in the past, like, eight months, like, pretty much her whole family has moved back into our house. Her 34 year old son, her dad has moved in here, her mom's here, and two little kids and a sixteen year old. So it's like, there's like there's just like no privacy, there's no nothing sacred, you know?
1: Uh I I, I have to ask. So a 34 year old son, a dad, a mom, a 16 year old, and two little kids, you said? Yeah. Okay. And then us two. And then you two. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many bedroom home do you live in? um one two three four five six six bedroom home and you've yeah. got one two three four five six seven eight people living in a six bedroom home <laughs> I, yeah. I i i i have to ask what were this what were the conditions uh, such that the circus came to town well how did this happen oh, i'm not saying um, it's bad i'm just curious how the right. fuck did this happen that's fucking crazy what's the short um, answer the short answer is um, her
3: dad couldn't live by himself anymore because he has dementia. Okay. Um, her son broke up with his wife, so he moved back in here with his son.
1: Okay. They
3: had nowhere to go.
1: 16-year-old and, and the two little boys, how'd they come?
3: And a two, A three- and a four-year-old that are here like four days out of the week, and then they're with their mom the other you know, three days. Who does
1: the 16-year-old belong to? Her son. Okay. And he, how did he end up? Is he every day or is he half time or what?
3: No, he's full time.
1: He's full time. So he was probably living there already though, right?
3: Well, yeah, he moved in here with her son. So
1: I see. Okay. So you've got a house full of people. Um, uh, Just out of curiosity, Christy, what do you think of that when you hear that?
2: It's, I have four kids and we just moved into a 1,000 square foot apartment. Holy shit. <laughs> I and now we're about to get our cats back too. So, uh, wow. I understand cramped spaces.
1: Evidently. Okay, Phil. So you got a house full of people. And so let me ask you the big move in, Circus came to town how long ago? Nine, maybe nine months. Nine months ago. Okay. And uh, just out of curiosity, the woman that you cheated with, um, first of all, I I assume it's a woman, did you say? I'll I'll assume it's a woman. Okay. Um, The woman that you cheated with, um, you said it started as a friendship. How did you meet this woman? Um, At the store. At the store. Struck up a conversation. You guys continued a conversation that um, I'm going to assume your wife did not know about. No. Um, Okay. And uh, yet that was about a year ago. So that's before the circus came to town. Okay, right. Because, right. Um, so you're already in a way, so in a way there's no link between all the family moving in and you cheating with this woman. Because if the relationship, even though it was quote unquote a friendship uh, in those first few months, you, it right. was surreptitious. Your wife didn't know about it, which implies it was right. already cheating. Had she known about it, she would not have liked that. Is that correct?
3: Correct. Right.
1: Okay, so it's getting interesting. You know what? We'll be right back with more Badass Counseling right after this.
0: You've heard Sven talk a lot about his book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. And that's because Sven hears from his followers a lot about how much the book has helped them. If you're not sure how to handle the issues getting in the way of a better life, you're not alone. And you have a lot of choices. But thousands of readers will tell you that this is a great place to start, by yourself and at your own pace. So go to badasscounseling.com. In order, there's a hole in my love cup, and you'll have Sven right there with you as you forge your best future. It's totally badass. So get started today. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass.
1: And we are back. With the Badass Counseling Show, we're talking to Phil and Christy. Christy was thrown down, kicked, choked, threatened uh, by her ex to kill her if she took the kid. She's had whiskey poured on her and all manner of things. Phil, uh, about nine months ago, had one, two, three, four, five, six people move in with him and his wife. And so uh, and then Christy herself just moved into a 1,000-square-foot apartment with four kids, two cats. So there's some action going on here, people. Tight, tight, tight. Phil, tell me then, um, so we established that had your wife known that you were talking to this woman that you met at the store, um, and just out of curiosity, what store are we talking about? Grocery store? Porn store? What store are we talking about? supermarket supermarket okay so you meet this woman you're establishing conversation you're already feeling good it's fun you're flirting um and so forth that's how it started and you perpetuated that so you wanted to continue this and you knew that it was wrong because you did not tell your wife about it are those uh things true yeah. Okay. Yep. And so you were wanting companion. What were you wanting in the beginning? Was it just the thrill, the rush, uh the excitement of another woman? Is that basically what we're talking about?
0: Um,
3: I think I don't know, maybe friendship or just Oh, come on.
1: It's, be straight with me now, Phil. You're At talking first. to a fucking guy. So you weren't yeah. you didn't find her attractive. It didn't register. You felt a little tickle in your scrotum. Nothing like that. I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm just asking. I don't want to ram it down your throat, but I'm going to put it in your mouth to taste it. You can spit it out if it doesn't taste right. But if it tastes right, tell me it tastes right. Did it, was there some sort of, at least in yourself, some sort of sexual energy or attraction, that sort of thing? Yes. Okay, I appreciate your honesty, Phil. Now, don't make me push you that hard next time. Just be honest right up front, brother. All right, so uh, it progresses. How long were you into it before you two had some sort of uh, physical something a kiss or holding hands or um uh, humpy humpy or whatever it was how long
3: it was it was qu- quite a ways into it and then right around like right after that is when she caught me talking to her on the phone and then we ended it at that point so
1: when was the first time that you I'd guys say, kissed uh, held hands whatever. Uh,
3: Seven, six, seven
1: months. Six or seven months of just talking. Got to ask: Were you guys engaged in like phone sex? Um, that's a yes. Okay, that's a yes. You wouldn't have to think about it before. No. Now, Christy, what are you laughing about?
2: (laughs) Because my husband was doing the same thing.
1: Oh. Oh, so what well. I'm
2: hearing is now, very similar.
1: Well now you don't even mention cheating and you're right up here, Christy. I, I gotta hear.
2: Yeah, it just wasn't that, I mean just, ugh, ugh. um they were friends at work and of course he never said anything. He's like, Oh, she's just a friend. She's 21. And I'm like, okay. So I believed him, but then I did I just didn't feel it. I felt that like he was lying about it. And just little telltale signs. And I'm like, you're not that good at hiding this. And when I came back the first time, her car was in my driveway.
0: Oh. And
2: she wasn't there, though.
1: She wasn't or so he forth, wasn't?
2: She wasn't there. And that I'm not even going to go into that story. It's too long. Okay. And anyways, when I came back, he finally said, oh, well, she was here, but she was hiding in the car. Yeah, no shit. And I said, there's no way. <laughs> And I was like, "There's no way, unless she's Houdini, she was in that car." Because I checked the car, and so he lied about that for months until uh, I don't know, two months after I left him, he was still holding on to that story. And I, got, I was recorded she? him. She was it, she was in the backyard hiding from me because I was obviously threatening to kill her. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I recorded him because I knew he was lying about talking to her. So I put a recording device in the garage. And I heard him talking to her and he still never came clean. And I and I'm like, she's 21. She's six years older than my son. That's not like, come on. So anyway, so that was just part of the reason why I left. But that was my OK, fuck you moment. I'm out. Wow. Like, you want 21 year old? Be with a 21 year old. I'm going to go find somebody who's not you know 21.
1: Wow. <laughs> All right. So, so- yeah.
2: So All right. A lot of the things that you're saying, I, I heard him saying they never slept together, supposedly, yeah, but right. even if, uh, yeah, exactly. So I know I'm 40. I'm not, I'm not new at this.
1: Right, <laughs> so. right. You've been around the block a few times. Yeah. So you're wanting to repair your marriage, Phil. Is that really what we're talking about? You're wanting to make this problem yeah. go away. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. You're stuck with it. This is your new fucking reality for the next year, two years, five years. It's, and there's going to be times when it's smooth and then it'll come up out of nowhere. And I mm-hmm. wish I had other news for you, but that's just how this fucking thing works. And the wound on... Uh, if And if you genuinely care about your wife, which I w- shall choose to believe that you do, uh, she needs to be in fucking therapy to get all of her shit out. Um, mm-hmm. And likely, if you feel like you don't have any room in your home i'm sure she's feeling similar too even though it is her family and she's feeling like she doesn't have any fucking peace of mind and then you know all these people in her space and then she's dealing with all this turmoil inside your wife is going through a lot I still don't think we've drilled down. Oh, I know we haven't drilled down to what the real issue is as to why you cheated. If you were to... I'm going to ask you a really fucking weird question here, Phil. And I want you okay. to just take a swing at it. We've gotten the sort of gory details out of the way. So there's nothing really here that's embarrassing. The embarrassing stuff we've gotten out of the way with regard to you, all right? Now, I appreciate mm-hmm. your honesty on that. Now, we're just going gonna to dig deep here. And I want to ask you, what really so companionship was the surface issue, but you weren't just looking, what sparked you wasn't just that, gee, I saw this potential new friend in the the supermarket. And I'm not saying you're lying. It's not about lying or whatever. That's, that's not the point. Right. I'm wanting to know what is the real deeper need that's being met by, I'm getting love from a wife and I'm in this loving relationship and I want this over here. And what, is the need that's being met the need to have more love poured into my love cup in the form of what? Um, you got me. <laughs> I, I'm, asking you well, I'm asking you to speculate. I'm asking you to speculate. No idea. Okay. Well, that's then. Okay. Then let's reverse. Engi- let's reverse engineer it then, and let me ask you just this: In your childhood, what was the single biggest need of yours that went unmet?
3: Oh, my childhood was ridiculously
1: crazy answer the question what was the single biggest need of yours in your childhood that went unmet
3: probably attention i
1: think attention
3: yeah because when i mean i was left alone a lot when i was a little kid i was you know nine ten years old Mm. and uh i had three older brothers that would look you know most supposedly look out for me but in their friends and they were way older than me so they would be like Oh, yeah, why don't we go down the street here? Here, you can fight with this kid. And then they'd pick another kid, fight with this kid, fight this kid. You know what I mean? My whole mm-hmm. childhood was like that. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, I've I've had actually quite a few clients over the years with similar stuff. I had uh, four older brothers and an older sister, and that notion of aloneness, or I in my case, you know, it's just they wanted to ditch me all the time. They didn't take me anywhere right. to fight anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I get that. I, so al- alone and then sort of the longing for attention and shit. If you're wanting right. attention, especially from big brothers, in some way, big brothers have like, or big sisters have like their attention in some ways means even more. It's, it's you know, right, right. and so oh, you want me to fight someone? Okay, I'll go fight them. And then I get the pat right, on the back exactly. or I'm one of the guys then in a way. No, I fucking get that. But in right. a way, then what that implies is that longing for attention never stopped. Or never, like, even not stopped. We all like attention. I'm not going to dispute that. Or not all, but a lot of people like attention. Nothing wrong with that. But then there's that need for more and more and more. Is it possible that part of what was really going on underneath the surface in you um, uh, cheating was some deep-seated need for more attention? It's quite possible, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to shift mm-hmm. it back over to you, Christy, and I'm gonna. I'll come back to you, Phil. You're not off the hook okay. yet, Daddy O. Yeah. All right. Nope. So, Christy, um, mm-hmm. I'd asked you, what are the five biggest feelings you're feeling with regard to this whole situation? You said anger. You said disappointed. Then we went down the tangent of mom being disappointed in you. What are the three other biggest feelings you're feeling regarding this whole situation? Anything, your ex, your family, yourself, your kids, your you know life, the world, anything. One as it relates to this whole situation you're in right now. What are your five most dominant feelings? Anger is one. Disappointed is two. Give me three, four, and five.
2: I'm sad. I'm broken. Um, and the
1: single biggest thing okay. that you're sad about, in one sentence or less, is what?
2: Just losing my the family.
1: Losing the family. Go ahead. What's number four feeling?
2: And I'm I'm scared.
1: What are you most scared of in one sentence or less, Christy, above all else?
2: Um, I just don't know what's going to happen.
1: And with regard to what? What do you mean?
2: All of it. Um, he is still – I had to put an order of protection on him just recently because he's still harassing, uh, using my devices to spy and track on me. And
1: Okay, so when you say, I don't know what's going to happen, you don't mean, gee, am I going to be able to pay the bills – uh well, to support that me. Yeah. sure but i i'm wondering yeah. what the single biggest uh scared is
2: i've just never been alone and so doing this on my own i'm scared uh i'm strong i have always been very independent
1: and mo- i'm sure you are most scared of what though of being on your own what's the scariest part of being on your own
2: just being alone being lonely uh i'm not used to being with
1: so it's not Am I, okay, it's not, am I going to be able to pay the bills? It's not, am I going to get the kids to daycare? It's not, gee, you know, am I going to be able to do all the chores and wiping butts and throwing away the kitty litter and shit like that? It's the idea, is the biggest thing the the potential loneliness?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, there we go. Yeah. It's not the harassing husband. Sure, that sucks. It, and you blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's not when's the divorce going through. And it's not whether or not I'll be able to feed the mouths. And it's not this and it's not that. It's my own stuff going on inside of me, the lonely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. It gets, like, most of the days I'm busy. I'm constantly running around, hustling, mm-hmm. working, taking care of kids, cleaning, doing this sure. and Sure. And trying to maintain some sort of sanity. and But when the the kids go to bed and it's quiet, it's quiet.
1: Oh, and you hate that, don't you? I mean, the busyness is this Mm -hmm. wonderful little drug. It's a fantastic escape Mm -hmm. because you look productive and you say, well, I got this today and I got this, 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 this. And Mm -hmm. as long as you're busy, you don't get touched by the finger, that death finger of loneliness, do you? Mm
2: -hmm. No, exactly. I don't feel the weight and I don't feel... I don't feel sad. I'm happy. I'm I'm laughing. I'm meeting new people, uh-huh. and I'm you know getting out there and talking to new friends. Sure. And I'm ready to go back to my classroom. Sure. School starts. I'm a teacher, but you know, yes, yeah, so it's the quiet time. Okay. But I and don't know and what I is to... it
1: about the quiet time, above all else, that is so hard? Above all else, the quiet time when everything stops. The with the hardest part about it is what?
2: I can't stop my brain from thinking about things and I hate going to sleep and and that's the hardest part right now why and you hate sleep
1: you hate sleeping because your brain goes into full motion or what
2: I don't know I keep asking myself the same question because every night
1: what is it tell me right now what is it why do you hate going to sleep in one sentence or less
2: because I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring and I don't want to wake up and feel that loneliness
1: again. Ah, so you go to bed with loneliness, you wake up with loneliness. And is it that I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring? Or is it that I know exactly what tomorrow is going to bring? The moment I wake up, it's going to be, I know what
3: it's of doing. course
1: you do. All right, so I'm going to tell you point blank. Well, wait, I'm going to come back to the point blank. I, I need to hear what's the fifth emotion. Anger, disappointed, sad, scared. And what's the fifth biggest feeling you're feeling amid this whole thing?
2: Excited.
1: Ah. All right. So there's a great-
2: I feel happy. There is a little bit of happiness growing That's and great. especially today, this week, when I heard that I was gonna be on your show. Yeah. Put a lot of in my stuff this week. Love it. Love <laughs> it.
1: Well, let me tell you, the single biggest thing that is gonna radically transform your life and increase that sense of excitement is the more you have the brass balls. In your, to use that alone time constructively, not suffer through, but to use it to attack, to go into and flush out the anger, the disappointment, the sad and the scared and the lonely. If you are not going into those five and welcoming those feelings, welcoming them and saying, I get to go to my loneliness tonight. I get to feel these feelings and flushing them and journaling them and what you're going to see. And you're going to. the more you do it, the quicker you're going to see results. Quick, you're going to see results and you're going to be less scared of evenings you're going to be less scared of uh night times you're going to and in the mornings you're going to find yourself waking up and the amount of sadness or loneliness you feel is going to be smaller it may still be there but it's going to be smaller and it's going to be a little smaller and before you know it before again it's up to you how hard do you want to attack these things and i don't mean just when you're in counseling All right, that's one hour out of the week. I mean, on your own. Championships are won and lost in the off season. When you're not in therapy, it's when you're on your own. If you are fucking deliberate about this stuff, I'm not blowing sunshine up your ass here, Christy. If you actually do this shit, that sense of excitement is gonna massively increase. Why, what's keeping, think about it, what's blocking your excitement? It's all that other crap. It's the anger, disappointment, sadness, scared, and loneliness. And so the more you flush those out, the more that excitement and calm is going to take over because the agitation inside of you right now is all that negative, all the negative stuff. It's not enough to just say, oh, I forgive you. It's not enough to just stay busy because staying busy is just like fucking boozing. It's just like, you know, smoking pot at seven in the morning. It's just like fucking, you know, over gaming, over parenting, over exercising, shopping. It's just a drug. Well, the drug is trying to keep you from the pain. I'm saying, no, go into the pain. Um, I want to flip it back to you, Phil. All right, so tell me, Phil, what is the single three biggest feelings you're feeling, if you were to be totally honest? I think disappointment in myself probably is a huge one. Why? In one sentence or less, why are you disappointed in yourself? For,
3: you know, stooping to that level and doing what I did, you know, to hurt, you know, hurt my wife like that.
1: Okay. What are the three other feelings you're most feeling?
3: Probably just kind of sadness. Um, what are you most sad about, Phil? Just the whole situation right now. It's, uh, you know, just seeing her, like, being that hurt from this.
1: And let me ask so, you this. What is the biggest thing you lose when she's hurt, when she's now got this these feelings towards you and she doesn't know if she can trust you and there's distance and she's hurting? What is, what do you lose by having her in this state?
3: Well, it just, it it just keeps us in like a, you know, like at each other's throats. And so what do you personally lose? I guess, peace of mind, man, because it's
1: it's hard. Sure, but isn't it also safe to say that you lose positive attention? Yeah. That all the attention that she used to give you, positive and negative, but especially the positive, it's radically reduced, right? And the negative attention is probably radically increased. Is that safe to say? Absolutely, yep. So if you were at attention deficit, and I don't mean fucking listeners. I'm not talking attention deficit disorder. I'm just saying you, you are now at, if you were at a deficit of getting attention growing up, spent a lot of your childhood alone, didn't get a lot of attention. And so you came into an adulthood with an empty or near empty love cup in terms of love and getting love, getting attention and so forth. And then you're in this marriage and you're getting positive attention, presumably because you're staying in it. right? Right. And, uh, and then you go and cheat and now, for a while, you're sort of getting double. And that lasted about nine months. And now, you lose the cheater and you lose the wife, largely. So now, you're back to baseline zero. You got nothing or very, very little in terms of attention coming in, positive attention and love coming into your life. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. You're bone dry right now. And you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six, other people in your house, all sort of taking attention, all with needs, all in your space. And so, boy, the shitstorm of getting caught is one thing, but then in terms of that inner need for love and attention, you're fucked. Yes, I am. Let me ask (laughs) you, if you were to be totally honest, is the cheating over? Yes. Have you had any contact with her? No. How did it end? I,
3: um, once my wife, you know, caught me. Um, I broke it off with her. She tried to call me a few times. I told her, you know, we can't do this anymore. It's going to be over. And then I think she's moved out West with her mom. So I don't even think she's around here anymore. Gotcha.
1: Uh, just out of curiosity, Phil, uh, just because Christy sort of raised the issue. Um, how old was this woman? 40. Oh, okay. How old are you, Phil? 58. Wow. Huh. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And so, Phil, I'd ask you your three biggest feelings you're feeling. You said disappointed. You said sad. And what is the third one? Almost, I guess, a little bit of loneliness, you know? I think that would be another one. And why do you think you feel lonely? Maybe because of
3: all the other people in here. Most of her attention's, you know, split up between
1: everybody, so... Right. It's not you. Precisely right. as I just said. Right. You were at right. least getting some positive attention before, even with one, two three, four, five, six other people living in your house, you were at least getting some. But now if you're getting, you may get the tiniest bit of positive, but any attention you're getting is negative. Of course you're going to be lonely. No one's pouring love into your fucking love cup. And the shitty part is, fuck, I created this, but I created it because I was in a way lonely to begin with, not because your wife wasn't doing her job, but because you came into life, you came into adulthood lonely already spent a lot of my childhood alone. Right. Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm sure what you really want, and you correct me if I'm wrong, if it doesn't sound right. I'm sure what you really want, Phil, is for her to forgive you and we go back to normal, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, has she articulated what she wants? Um, She
3: wants just like every bit of my attention, like
1: every minute of the day. And, that's, and like she, that's different from how it was before? Yeah. And why does she want every bit of your attention every minute of the day? Just so this doesn't happen again, more than likely. <laughs> so it's not just that she wants your attention. She wants to keep you on a short motherfucking leash because she doesn't right. fucking trust you. Exactly. Which is completely logical because you proved that you weren't trustworthy. Right. Exactly. Right. And so how does it feel to know that you are now on a short leash and you are already at a deficit of a, a, a love in your love cup coming into adulthood and you were even in a, in a deficit when you were in your marriage and so you went to get double and now it's all gone and now you're expected to give all of your attention to her. You have very little love to give, but now all of your love has to go to her. What do you think of that? Oof, I try not to. Because? It's uh, it's overwhelming. It's um, right stressful. Right, you know. How long do you think you can keep up not getting positive attention from really anyone in your life? Maybe your work, I don't know, but at least in terms of your personal life, I don't hear a lot of positive attention slash love flowing into your life. How long do you think you can keep this up? I don't know probably not too long. Right. And <laughs> right. And I would agree. And very often what happens is when somebody's cheats once, they'll often cheat again for precisely what we're talking about here, that that underlying need, which has nothing to do with your wife, you see her right. as the as the solution, the key to your happiness, when in fact, she's not because you came into childhood at a deficit already. So when I talk to people about cheating, and I've written a two-volume book on cheating, counseled tons of them, and I've been a cheater. I've been cheating on and I was a co-cheater many, many times in my earlier life. And when I tell people the root cause of cheating ain't the fucking marriage. it ain't. It's all the shit that goes way back there, and we've established you came into fucking adulthood at right. a fucking deficit, and that ain't your wife's problem. Well, it is now. But, I mean, right. yeah, this isn't shit you can pin on your wife. Um, but you've got this loneliness problem, and I'm telling you the fucking solution to your life the real solution, not just fixing this marriage that you're, you're fucked, dude, you, I'm just going to be straight up. You are so fucked for at least the next five years. You are in this state. You're going to have more positive times if you, you know, keep your nose clean, but, uh, you're in this for the next five years. And if you can't, I mean, and if you can, if you do not address your feelings of loneliness and aloneness in life, you're fucked, and this relationship is fucking done, and you're gonna act out in some other way. It may not be cheating, but you're gonna to turn to the bottle, you're gonna to turn to pills, you're gonna to turn to carousing, you're gonna to turn to checking out or staying in your room and and just porn obsession or whatever the fuck it is. You may right. but you're gonna engage in some behavior that has the power to destroy this relationship. Let me ask you a straight up honest question, Phil, knowing that probably your wife's gonna to listen to the show, so I don't know how honest you can really even be. But um, Do you want to end the relationship knowing that you're in this state for likely a long time moving forward?
3: No, I don't want to, no. Okay. I'd rather work
1: All right. Well, the work then is you going, I'm telling you the work isn't necessarily working on the relationship. The work is you going into your own fucking childhood and all those feelings because that's the origin species here. That's the origin of all the shit that's manifesting now because deep down you have this fucking longing for attention and I need more and I need more and I need more because there's a hole in the bottom of your motherfucking love cup. No matter how much love gets poured in there, it just goes out the fucking bottom. It's never enough. And right. that hole has to be patched, which of course is why I wrote the book. There's a hole in my love cup. How creative. Um, have your book. You have it. Well, that's a good first start. God bless you.
3: I'm reading it.
1: And reading it. And then the next step is actually doing those fucking exercises and doing it in writing, because that's where the rubber hits the road. It's where I now am having my life interface with these theories. Yeah. Christy, over to you. Um, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's going on right now regarding your own state or regarding Phil, if you want to comment on that, but what's going on inside of you right now, Christy?
2: Oh God. Um, just everything. Um, like I said, it's like the, the loneliness that I'm experiencing. It's it, that's probably the most suffocating part right now. And then, you know, I haven't filed for divorce yet, but I'm going to, it's just been a really, you know, I, like I said, as a stay at home mom, And I got, I left and had no job and had to hit the ground running. And I immediately got my teaching certificate or contract, started substitute teaching, lined up a summer job, got an apartment, did move the kids, did all this stuff within like a two week window and moved and just hit the ground running. And I was in survival mode probably for two months. I think I still am a little bit. Well, I'm sure. You know, everything has to be done urgent, like take care, take care, mm-hmm. take care. And so it's hard and then you know, I'm trying not to communicate with him, but he just he will not leave me alone. And of course because he doesn't have me there anymore, I'm no longer his supply. Exactly. And he's coming after me and trying to guilt trip me blame me he blames me for having the affair with a girl Using he blames me every tool for-
1: possible to try to get his yeah. supply back to pour yeah. love back into his love cup yeah.
2: and he blames me for the him hitting and me it, that it was my fault right
1: and that's how you know you're dealing with an absolute piece of shit he's an absolute yeah. fucking piece of shit yeah. not just because he did those things but then he's trying to blame you for it uh i i have to ask for what possible reason have you not filed for divorce yet
2: i don't have any money <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's pretty much it. It comes down to that. Um, I'm serving hamburgers this summer. I know, and there, and hers, hey,
1: so. no shame in that. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. There are yeah. legal services available in mm-hmm. every state. I found Good. Good, and you need to yeah. execute that, and potentially execute. And this is legal shit, so I know nothing about the law, but I would encourage you to execute or talk to those same lawyers about orders of protection, that sort of thing. I got one. Hey, good for I you. I got one. Okay, and of course, sometimes yeah, enf- I
2: had to. good
1: for you, and enforcement on those sometimes can be tricky, but um, you have to be aggressive. You have to take control. But the single biggest thing, Christy, is. The loneliness and really, isn't it fascinating that we're tracking both yours and Phil's story and it goes back to this notion of alone and what, yeah. yeah, and what happens inside of us when we're alone. Let me ask you just out of curiosity, what is the single biggest message that comes up inside of you when you're alone, Christy? What is the single biggest message that perhaps is echoing down through the decades since you were a child? What, when you're alone, what is that? What's the message you get about yourself? Or a message you got when you were younger that you hear most clearly when you're alone?
2: I don't know. I never really.
1: Okay, then let me ask you this. Your mom, you opened the door on one thing. Your mom, you say she's disappointed in you. What was the single most powerful message, negative powerful message you got from either your mother or your father or both about yourself? Well,
2: my parents were, they were both uh, drug addicts when we were younger and then eventually switched replace that with booze. So they're still alcohol. Got it. Got it. What was the
1: message you yeah. got about yourself that hurt the very most, either explicit or it's implicit? Never,
2: it's kind of like replaying on what Phil said is like, I just didn't get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um positive attention. And so, and so that, I felt like I had to give more to get more.
1: Okay. And so I have to give more to get more. And the person, the child who's not given uh attention or positive attention isn't the underlying message, you really don't matter. Yeah. Right.
2: And it kind of mimicked in that in my marriage there at the end. Like the more I tried, the more I gave, the less I got back. That's
1: right. That's right. And so those messages then of I don't matter and I'm a disappointment and see, I'm no good, all of those, when you have somebody here right now present in your life, even if they're choking you and hitting you and pouring whiskey over you and slapping you and kicking you, even if they're doing that, at least I have someone. See, so clearly I must matter because there's a person here. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it hurts. But the the mere presence of that person is a confirmation of my worth. It's a counter message to all those fucked up shitty messages that I got from mom and dad that I don't matter, that I'm no good, that I'm unwantable, that I'm unlovable. But once this person walks out of my life or once I turn my back and walk away from them, Now all those old messages of, see, I'm no good. See, I'm unwantable," See, no one wants me because that person isn't in my life. Whereas when they are in my life, they're a buffer uh, between those messages and me. They're a living, breathing counter message saying I must matter because otherwise why would this person choose me, right? Um, And so let me ask you then, um, Christy, final question that you have for me is what?
2: I just need to know, like, I don't know what to do to just get uh, the weight, the change okay. that I feel. Okay, I, okay. I can't breathe. No, I, Some days I just can't breathe. Yes,
1: that's right. And you said suffocating. Okay, I'm gonna, I told you and I'm gonna tell you again. And I know you may think this isn't the answer and I'm telling you as a matter of absolute fact and anybody who's ever been my client, anybody who's ever dived into the book and actually done the fucking work knows that what I'm saying is the truth. What is suffocating you is that which is inside of you. It's not the stuff outside of you, it's not your husband, it's not the kids, it's not the money. Those things are all hard, it's the stuff going on inside of you. The anger, disappointment, sadness, scared, loneliness, those feelings you have to go into you have to allow those feelings to come up and you need to be fucking journaling about those and writing letters. I hate you so much for making me feel so scared. Mom, I am so I feel so fucking alone. Why did you leave me alone? And I'm still having to deal with this at fucking 40 because you couldn't just fucking be present and pour me love so that I wouldn't be afraid of being alone. And I'm so scared right now and I hate being alone. God, I feel like a fucking piece of shit. Why am I feeling like a piece of shit today? Well, there's that thing that bitch at work said to me that, you know, yesterday, now I feel even more shitty and, you have to be flushing all of it and flushing and flushing. And if you don't have a copy of my book, you need a copy of my book because that's gonna, yeah, I, you do?
2: It's on my list. Good, okay, good, <laughs> good, good.
1: <laughs> um. And, uh, and you need to be flushing this out. That is what's suffocating you. You're not being suffocated by an external source, it's by all the shit inside of you that is built up so much you can't even fucking breathe. That is your salvation, that is your relief.
2: What about the triggers, though? Because like sometimes I will hear something, somebody mm-hmm. will say something, even if somebody taps me on the shoulder, mm-hmm. I get scared. Like there's right, triggers, right? Still. And and
1: absolutely. And sometimes we need to remove ourselves from those triggers. However, think about it this way: it, the trigger really isn't the problem, because if it if the triggers are the problem, then I've spent my entire life avoiding anything that might trigger me. What it really is is what's being triggered inside of me. So think of it this way. Think of you have like seven sticks of dynamite inside of you. All right. And all, every one of those sticks has a fuse attached to it. Okay. And so what you're saying is I encounter this person and they say the wrong thing and it lights one of those fuses. And I'm like, Oh shit, the dynamite, the fuse is lit. Right. So I start avoiding anything that looks like a lighter or a match. Right, I get an electric stove because I don't want a gas stove because it has a flame, so to speak. It could light my dynamite on fire. The dynamite is all those past memories that have these emotional charges attached to them. And every one of those, all those emotional charges are like electricity inside your love cup. And you put in one little drop of some new stimulus and it goes, everything gets electrified inside of me. And I go crazy with anxiety or depression or anger or sadness, right? That, That stick of dynamite, the fuse gets lit. And so what so many people say is I should go through life getting rid of the triggers. I should go through life avoiding matches and, and lighters. And that's part of it. Yeah, we remove some of the triggers in our life. But the problem is you're taking time bomb. You're walking around with seven motherfucking sticks of motherfucking dynamite inside of you. Get rid of the dynamite. That's the goal. And, and yes, we have to remove – And and that was a heavy breath. What happened right there inside of you?
2: It's just – I have a lot of work ahead of me. Yeah, you do. And, <laughs> but I'm willing to well, do it. Well, and here's the so. thing. No,
1: I'm glad you yeah. said that. And this is you too, Phil, because you both do. Yeah. You both have a lot of work in front of you. But here's the thing I want to tell you. The deeper you dive, the harder you attack it, the shorter it lasts. This this isn't a fucking forever fucking process. I take clients through their shit. I, I've had clients be done in three months. Because they attack it, everything I fucking tell them to do, they do it. They trust me. They do the shit. I've had people just use my book who couldn't afford my fucking counseling, or people I've counseled, for, you know, for free, you know, whether it was some you know veteran or whatever. But the bottom line is, how hard do you want to attack it? How sick are you of fucking living this way? Phil, the one shot you have is to change you. If you Dude. don't change you, your marriage is so beyond fucked. And she may stay with you just because she's afraid of losing the house or she's afraid of whatever. But the only shot you have of real love is to fix fucking you. And I ain't talking about the shit at your age of 58 right now. I'm talking about two-year-old, eight-year-old, 14-year-old Phil, right? Right. And you guys can attack this shit, but you got to dive in. You got to dive in deep. You got to dive in hard. And yes, it sucks. And yes, it's hard. But the harder you attack it, both of you are tough people. I get that right away. All right? And we all, tough people feel weak at times. Sometimes we're just hiding inner goo inside. You know, we're soft inside. But you attack this shit, and that's the quicker the results fucking come. You glide this shit out because I can only microdose it, you know, from one week to the next. Sometimes you got to microdose it, you know, as far as allowing the pain up and welcoming it and flushing it out. But the more you attack it, the quicker these results can come. I am telling you as a matter of absolute fact, I'm telling you as a matter of absolute fact, You can heal this shit and you can do it quickly, but you got to have the fucking balls to change. And there are no guarantees, Phil. I I can't guarantee you, and I'm not going to guarantee you, you're going to get your marriage back. But I tell you what, you can change your fucking life so that even if you lose it, the marriage, you can lose it with dignity and with class and as a gentleman. And you can have a life of happiness afterwards. Christy, I fucking guarantee you, you're going to have a wonderful life. You're a beautiful human being you know and you, and you're going to and yeah you're in a hard spot right now and scary and so forth but if you do the work this is what gives us strength from within and clarity of purpose and and so forth Phil let me ask you a final question for me uh, just i just need to know how to get through this man it's just it's really hard yep and which is precisely what Christy just said and i'm telling you yep. just like i told her the way you get through this is to go further into the disappointment the sadness and the loneliness. You have to go into it. It's like both you want a way around it. You want to know some other quick way or some pill to take or something. This is the fucking answer. Going into all the shit that's going on inside of you and doing the work of flushing this shit out And, and uh, you know, that's whether you do it with your therapist, but especially on your own using the book and so forth, this is what you got to do. I want to thank both of you for being on the show. You've been great guests. And I really do feel like we had that Kramer Merv Griffin episode. We had two people that oddly had two very different stories. And yet what do we discover as we drill down, Rob? The answer is inside. The answer is inside, and isn't it interesting in both cases? It was about aloneness and loneliness and so forth, um, and that is that is an extraordinarily powerful feeling, and I, a whole lot of our listeners know what the hell that is about. So I want to thank you two for being on the show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, from around the world, around the U.S., around Canada, uh, all parts north, south, east, and west. I want to thank my producers, K.C., who is giving the thumbs up that she that she's saying that that this uh, today's show is really uh touched her and spoken to her and uh rob any final thoughts you got it dude hey well i want to thank you rob for i want to say tending the sheep but that makes no fucking sense whatsoever (laughs) i want to thank you for always keeping things moving forward the sheep are all sleeping so we're all doing well thanks guys for tuning in to the badass counseling show you You betcha you betcha have a kick-ass
0: day the badass counseling show is strictly copyrighted no copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.